There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. As I've gotten older, I think that one of the things I enjoy doing more than anything on weekends with my wife, I can't believe I'm saying this, but is actually going antiquing. <laughs> I love to go to old junk stores and I love to go to antique shops and just look at things. It's not that I'm necessarily going to buy anything. I, I like, you know, I think because I'm a frustrated historian at heart and every item in every one of these stores has its own tale to be told. And it's fascinating, particularly when you walk through an area of a store and you see tools that are left behind that people find useless nowadays. But it's things that meant something to people in their workaday life, things that they used on a regular basis. And it draws you in. You can learn a lot about a person and the life that they have lived, I think, perhaps by those things that they utilized. And that brings me to what we're going to talk about today, the lady that had lived a full life, had made it into her 70s, had retired, and was now just wanting to live at peace, working on clothing, working as a seamstress, and using an old-fashioned iron, a steam iron. And then all of a sudden, her world exploded. 
in Charleston, West Virginia. My name is Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. I was very hesitant to talk about this case today. However, I think that it's emblematic of how quickly terror can fall upon us at any moment in time. And I had to talk about this case with my friend Jackie. Jackie Howard from Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jackie, I don't know that over the course of our discussions I've encountered a case like this, but it it really kind of punched me in the gut when I began to think about you live your life and you just want to be at peace. You you just you want to love those that are around you and enjoy your years that you've worked so hard for to live in in this kind of environment where you don't have to get up and do those things that you have to do. You do the things you want to do. I don't know how it affected you, but this case, when I read it, it was just horrifying. We have talked about so many things that we as humans can do to each other, but this is one of, well, of the worst that we've talked about. 77-year-old Barbara Steele was in her home just enjoying and doing the things that she wanted to do when Joshua Drennan, 28 years old, entered her home and attacked Barbara Steele. Let me warn you now, not that I think that you're listening to this podcast with children in the room, but if you have someone who is sensitive to rough content, let me advise you now. This is a rough podcast to listen to. Very heinous things were done by Joshua Drennan and multiple. He went on a mini crime spree attacking multiple victims, but it started with Barbara Steele. He went into her home and attacked this woman. The piece of equipment that you're talking about, Joe, the antique here is an iron. You know, there's a, a term that, that people, you know, that study artifacts use, and I've always been fascinated by this term. It's called patina. And patina gives you an indication that the appearance of an item or a work of art or whether it be an instrument of some kind, that over the years, the decades, perhaps, it has aged in a particular way. And it, you know, it takes on these different characteristics where almost the item itself is kind of morphing as, as years go by. And we would expect that. And it seems kind of obvious, but I've seen images of this steam iron. And if I can, you know, just kind of describe it, it looks like an old fashioned iron that you would place, say, for instance, on a stove. It's not an electric iron. It's something that you would place perhaps on a stove and you know heat the thing up you know something like your great-grandmother would have used my grandmother actually had a couple of of old-fashioned irons that you would put on the surface of a of a wood-burning stove a pot belly stove and you know you don't really give it a second thought but this one looks a little bit different it's got a kind of a bulb on the front of it and a metal handle it's kind of rusty in appearance i guess and the bulb itself apparently is where water is contained and it's an early iteration of what we would refer to as a steam iron so that when it's heated the little bulb that contains the water heats up and it transfers that steam you know to the item that you're ironing you know pressing 
it's fascinating to see that someone would still use this to this day. But from from what we understand, this item was, in fact, utilized by the victim in this case. She worked as a seamstress and would still utilize this iron, something that she preferred. You know, even her children said that they had seen it in the house for years and years. It was just part of who she was. She liked it. I don't know what the origin of, of this item is. Maybe it's something that had been passed down through her family, you know, because this is an art form, working with clothing and doing alterations. And it, it's something that maybe she had had in her family for a long time. Maybe it had been passed on from, you know, almost from master to apprentice, you know, as it were, and something she had held on to. And so the iron itself becomes part and parcel of the story. It's kind of what the whole thing centers around because it's an item that is what we would refer to from a forensic standpoint is a weapon of convenience. It's something that a perpetrator does not come armed with. It's something that they utilize that is within arm's reach. That's something that is part of that environment in which they kind of invade and step into And in this case, it was utilized in the most brutal way that I think that anybody could imagine. Police were made aware of what was happening inside this home or what did happen inside this home by neighbors who witnessed Joshua Drennan exiting Barbara Steele's home. Now, remember, Barbara Steele is 77. Joshua Drennan is 28. The owner of a business that was located across the street from Steele's home and he had known her from quite some time, was the first person to find her. He said he looked through the screen door and could see down the hallway, and he described it as looking like a battle zone. He said there was broken glass everywhere. Things were toppled over. It basically looked like a tornado had gone through. So forensically, Joe, what do we see here? What can that tell us? How many times? Have we talked about over the course of our years together, Jackie, on Nancy's show and any other kind of medium that we're on, you know, when they come to me and they ask me about crime scene assessment, it's our it's kind of our our fallback position. We say, you know, there was no signs of forced entry or struggle. All right. In this case. This is a classic sign of struggle. You've got items that are randomly broken, shattered glass. I think that was the most striking thing about this, that there was broken glass. People kept implying that. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that in addition to what had gone on inside of the home, Miss Steele's vehicle that was parked at at her home there. The police described it in an interesting way. They said that her vehicle had been attacked. And when I was reading over the the police reports in this particular case, that was an interesting, you know, kind of turn of the phrase there. Her vehicle was attacked because you think of people or, you know, an animal or, you know, being attacked. You don't think of a car being attacked, but that's the way it was described. And I think that that's also something that had drawn the neighborhood's attention to this because when Drennan left her house, he has this steam iron that we talked about in hand and he's essentially pounding on 
the outside of her car and breaking the windows and all this sort of thing. And he, he met with a certain level of frustration where he couldn't gain access to it. So you can imagine that in this environment, which the neighbor had talked about, you know, he'd known her for years and years. And Ms. Steele was known as somebody, first off, she retired from the local school board, had put in her time there. She was highly regarded. And, you know, the, the thing that you come away with when you read back through the interviews of, of witnesses and people that were in her circle, they talked about how gentle she was and how kind she was. She had a lot of kids that she, I'm sure she had touched their lives in, in this community. She lived on the west side of Charleston, West Virginia, in a, just a, a modest wood frame, white wood frame home. She was widowed and just living this kind of peaceful existence. And then all of a sudden her world explodes with this guy that there's no indication that they had ever crossed paths before. And that's what makes this all the more horrific. Why, of all the people in the world, would you, in fact, target a lady like this who is obviously going to be weaker than you, who's not posing a threat in any way? There's no indication, you know, that she was screaming at, at this guy as he's walking down the street, you know, engaging with him in any way. He just burst into her life and just absolutely just ripped it to shreds. Besides the assault on Barbara Steele, the assault on the car, Joshua Drennan continued his crime spree going through the neighborhood and ultimately assaulted at least two other people that we know of. One was a woman sitting in a drugstore parking lot. What happened to her? Again, somebody just randomly sitting. Can you imagine? And all of us have done this. Hopefully nobody's you know texting while they're driving. This, this lady had pulled over into a local drugstore's parking lot and was sitting there. She's like in a 2004 Honda CRV. You know, her back is to this guy as he's approaching her car. And she's sitting there and she's texting. You know, and you think, well, what would she be texting about? And you can kind of superimpose your thoughts about it. But maybe she's at the drugstore. She's trying to contact her family saying, look, I'm at the drugstore. Is there anything I can pick up for you while I'm here? This sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, her driver's side window just explodes in a hail of glass. This iron that we talked about is being wielded by Brennan. He drives this thing through the glass and begins to pummel her with this iron. And beat her and then doesn't open the door. He drags her out of the car through the broken window and onto the ground adjacent, you know, to the vehicle. And he hops in the vehicle and drives away. And I, I can only imagine, you know, you know, her, it's not surprise doesn't even begin, you know, to kind of describe this. You're minding your own business, and all of a sudden, the world just explodes in this the shattering of this cubed safety glass, which is what you know we have, you know, in these windows of sun. If you ever see a car, the glass on either side shatters into these little cubes, and she probably would have wound up with tiny little lacerations as a result of the glass fracturing into these little bits. It comes across as little cubes. They make these little L-shaped lacerations as they strike skin and that's one of the reasons that's kind of how in motor vehicle accidents for instance we can tell which 
side of the vehicle an individual is positioned in. Were they a passenger in the front seat? Do they have these cubed, they call it cubing injuries, on the right side of their face? That gives you an indication they were adjacent to that window. And on the left side, you know, of the face, that would give you an indication that you were on the driver's side, either in the front or the back seat. And then she's drug out there, and she's probably dazed in a state of complete and total confusion. And then she looks up, and the, her car is just gone. Total stranger has just driven off with this vehicle. And he's this guy is in kind of this amped-up state. He's driving along the road, and according to what the police reports are saying, he wound up striking another vehicle that a gentleman was driving and i don't know if the crv that he had stolen had become disabled but he decides that he's going to try to commandeer the vehicle that he has just struck but suddenly reality sets in i think a lot can be learned about the nature of this fellow it's at this point he approaches the driver of that vehicle and the next thing you know he's staring down the muzzle of a gun because this guy's a concealed carry guy and he draws his weapon and all of a sudden drennan suddenly i guess he he has a a a lucid moment he realizes oh this guy's a threat now keep in mind the two people that he has brutally attacked so far have been women unarmed women and now he comes face to face with a person that is prepared to shoot him and he runs away at that point in time The next person that Drennan runs into, Joe, is a police officer who by now are made aware that this has happened in Barbara Steele's home. Witnesses saw Drennan leaving and reported it to the police. Now you have a second woman injured, as you said, and then he runs into a police officer. The police officer, this gentleman, he is aware, you know, there's radio chatter at this point, you know, something ain't right. I, I can tell you, you know, they, they probably don't have this kind of thing. You know, Charleston's not a tiny town, but I can tell you, they, they don't have some maniac running down the street every day with an antique iron pummeling people with it. He's aware now it's gone out on the radio. Can any of us imagine how terrified you are? You're seeing this and there are calls that are coming in to the 9-11 center. You know, people are seeing this. One guy even, I think, he videotaped a goodly portion of this at a distance, this confrontation that Drennan winds up having with the police officer. He begins to, again, pummel this police officer with this iron. I mean, look, cops are set up. They're trained to have situational awareness. That is, those, those things that are occurring in the environment around them. I don't know if in the academy, you know, they prepare you for, (laughs) you know, what do I do if a guy shows up with an antique iron? I'm sure the the police officer is shocked, but he reaches into his belt, his service belt, and pulls out his what's referred to as an asp. It's a deployable baton. People have seen these. They're telescoping. And. They're very heavy. You extend it by popping it out, and then you go into position to to strike. You know the person that's advancing on you. The problem is, is that apparently, as the officer set, Drennan is advancing on the police officer with the iron, and begins to swing it wildly at him, and the police officer backs up and trips. Now, this is horrifying when you think about it. trips backwards over a curb, and he drops his asp 
and in the meantime, Drennan just descends on him. I mean, he begins to pummel him again with the iron, beating him all over. The only thing the police officer can really do is just kind of contract into a ball on the ground. I'm sure he's got his vest on, but that's not protecting his head. It's not protecting his hands, his hips, that sort of thing. And you've got this wild man just assaulting you. And it's at this point that the police officer, his name is Casto. Officer Casto, you know, was able to draw his weapon and shoot Drennan in the chest and the neck area. Now, amazingly, Drennan survived that. Two gunshot wounds at close range. You survive them. But it stopped the threat at that moment in time. They were able to, you know, pack Drennan off to the local hospital where he was treated and arrested there and spent some time in the hospital. Obviously, guy's been shot, so they had to do surgery on it. But all of this happened in a very short period of time where this perpetrator traveled just a few blocks and in his wake you know he just left absolute horror the best conversations i have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? 
Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. So many times, it's the quietness to get you when you're at a crime scene. It's really kind of hard to put into words, but it used to be when I would get a call to roll out on you, you get this sudden, I don't know, jolt of adrenaline, the anticipation of what's going to happen. You show up and there's lights flashing. There might be fire trucks there. There's people crying and and carrying on and you're standing there and you're about to make entry into the scene and then all of a sudden the outside chatter begins to die down and there's this kind of uneasy peace that kind of settles in the environment things get really really quiet you no longer hear the chatter and you stand there just for a moment many times i found myself i'd I'd be there by myself in a room with a decedent and you are able to begin to see what had happened quietly consider what had happened just for a moment to the victim lying there and what the police saw when they walked into Miss Steele's house I can't even begin to fathom what kind of course through their bodies at that moment in time. I, I would imagine that the police officers had never seen anything like this. Well, I would certainly hope not, Joe, because this scene is just absolutely horrendous. The The indignities that this poor woman suffered. Let's take them one by one. First, we know she was beaten with the iron. You think about this item, and I urge anybody that wants to research this case, please take a look at the pictures that are available. And when you you see this thing, it's not like you're looking in one of the things that we talk about in forensics, blunt force injuries. Okay, And I think many people think blunt force injuries, they all automatically, their default position is something like, say, for instance, a club, a baseball bat. And yet those do generate, obviously, blunt force injuries. But there are a myriad of other items that can do this as well. And when you're trying to interpret blunt force trauma, you're having to assess it on various levels. You want to try to understand how old the injuries are. You know, somebody's sustained a contusion or bruise you want to know if it's recent or if it's in the distant past and then you try to determine is there a pattern to the item that was used to strike somebody with let's say for instance the the example i gave a baseball bat when you see somebody that is struck with a baseball bat 
they're going to have these very kind of defined linear margins on either side that would give you an indication that you've got this surface that has contacted the flesh and it's left these kind of lines of demarcation, if you will, running parallel to one another and you'll have, you know, an associated bruise with it. But with this item, this iron, you look at the surfaces along the edges of this thing, and there are multiple. You've got kind of the, the base of the thing that's got a sharp leading edge. It comes to a point, and then you have all of these other elements to the structure of this thing that are kind of protruding from it. So just imagine it's being wielded by holding this handle that's in the superior portion of it, just like you think about an iron, has an old-fashioned handle, though, that's kind of got a curved appearance to it, and it's being brought down. Now, the totality of the weight is going to be in the base. Remember, the purpose of an iron is to place a heated surface that has weight to it that will essentially run all the wrinkles out of anything that you're pressing, if you will. And so there will be a lot of weight that is going to be associated with the base of this thing. It looks like it's made out of some type of cast iron, more than likely. So when you're delivering that that strike with this thing, the energy that is transferring from this element from the iron to that surface that you're striking, in this case, Mastille's head, you're going to get these really deep gash-like injuries. But you'll also have to try to pick out all of these little attachments that are along the side of this thing because they're going to generate a different type of injury. And they're going to impact the body in a very specific way. So, it's it's going to be very difficult to kind of interpret these along the way, and the pathologist would have had to have made sense of this. And he said, "Well, Morgan, why is it why is it important? You know, we know that she's been beaten to death. Well, it's important because you begin to understand that for every one of these strikes, there's a readjustment, perhaps, of the victim and of the perpetrator." relative to one another. So did he hold her down? Did he put his foot on his on her chest and begin to strike downward at her? Was he chasing her about? Because those types of strikes are going to look different than, say, somebody that's in a static position. What we do know is that when they observed her, they noticed that these insults that she had sustained, these injuries she sustained, you had total involvement of both the head and the face on her. And she was greatly, greatly disfigured. When you talk about something that has this kind of concentrated weight to it, like this old-fashioned iron, it, with a single blow, you could strike lethally. Because the surfaces that you're going through, the skin, the muscle, and of course the the table the table of the skull, with that energy transference, you can collapse all of that with one strike, and it's that transference of energy that can essentially render that person incapacitated with one blow. Now, you might not necessarily kill them with one blow, but you're going to have high probability with something that's heavier as opposed to something that's lighter. 
in that same vein, I'm thinking that this would be, we throw around the term, throw around is not really an accurate way of saying it, but we do use the term a lot, overkill. I think that that's when you see this case where she is struck so many times with this item over and over again, you begin to think, why was this done and why did you do this? Because you go from the point of killing, which in and of itself is horrible, to mutilation at that point, you know, because you're doing it over and over and over and over and over again, which is, again, uh, so horrific, you know, in this particular case. And it would be absolutely horrific no matter who it happened to. But in this case, we're talking about Mastille. And Mastille was this, you know, very affable, passive, gentle kind of person. You think, what would drive somebody to, to do this to her? A knife was also used to kill Miss Steele and the damage that was left behind. Well, it, it's just nightmarish. I cannot imagine if you're not used to seeing this sort of thing, if you're a patrol officer and you walk in and I've heard patrol officers say this, you know, have stated this to me you know, and they'll say, I don't see how you do what you do for a living. And of course, on my end, it, it never got easy. But it's very difficult for, say, a police officer that walks into an environment and they see not just this gentle soul who has been beaten, you know, um, about the head and face with a heavy object. But now they, they notice that her clothing is in disarray and it's in disarray to the point where when they look at her abdomen, She's been partially eviscerated. And for those that don't really understand that term, and it's by no fault of your own, trust me, I I wish that no one knew what this term meant. But in our world, in the medical legal world, and specifically in forensic pathology, one of the things that takes place is that when we remove organs, that process is called evisceration. And evisceration means to expose and remove. Well, I don't know that they were necessarily removed, but her bowels were essentially outside of her body. And in order to accomplish this, this is not something that you could have done, obviously, with this this iron. It would be a Herculean task to do that and would take a protracted period of time. So then you begin to think about, well, was there an opportunity to, you know, again, use a weapon of opportunity? That is, those things that are at at his at Drennan's reach or did he have a knife on his person in order to go through her abdominal wall and essentially create a situation where she had loops of bowel resting outside of her body. Now imagine that. You've beaten this woman to this point with this antique iron and now you have you know, essentially opened up her abdominal cavity to expose her intestines. When we're in in the morgue, we have specialized tools that are created for this purpose. You know, you have scalpels that are so sharp, they're disposable, not the handles, but the, the blades themselves. They're so sharp, you can essentially only use them that one time. Some people are amazed that we have to change them so frequently, but the edge is so fine on the things and it's so very sharp that it dulls very quickly. And the reason it dulls is that you're going through multiple different types of tissue to get down through the abdominal wall in this particular case to go through that layer of of skin and then what's referred to as the subcutaneous fat and then down through the abdominal muscles, which is an entire complex in and of itself. 
just to expose the bowel. This is quite messy work as well for someone that is not clothed for it or prepared for it. There's no way to avoid getting blood on you. So you will, if you are perpetrating this crime, you will essentially be awash in blood. You'll be speckled with blood all over your body. You'll have great, you know, kind of swaths of blood that have been smeared upon you. And, and, For us, forensically, when you begin to look at this, that type of blood or transfer of blood from an abdominal injury as you're opening up the bowel is going to appear completely different than the dynamic kind of injury that you have when an individual is being beaten with something like this heavy iron. That's going to have a completely different appearance to it. It's very important when you get an individual who is clothed still with the clothing that they were wearing at the time that you secure that clothing because you can really begin to tell the tale as to what happened and the dynamics of this environment. At least it'll give you an indication as to what may have happened. Even more disturbing than what you've already told us, Joe, Barbara Steele was also sexually assaulted. Yeah, she was. And I think that just out of a sense of propriety, I'm I'm not going to go too deeply into this. Just suffice it to say that she was, in a most horrific way, sexually assaulted. And I think that this extends out into a bigger, a broader narrative when it comes to Drennan, where his mind was, perhaps, where you would feel compelled at whatever level to do this, to to this this dear woman what would be the driver behind obviously assaulting her not just in life but i you know i have to put forth the my opinion the fact that this was done post-mortem so you've got a degree of 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 post-mortem activity that has a sexual connotation to it and i think that that's just absolutely it raises it to an entirely different level if this can get any worse at all Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. 
Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Forensic psychologists, many times, they'll talk about the ordered mind and the disordered mind or disorganized events versus organized events. In the case of Mrs. Steele's attack and and the others that were attacked at the hands of Drennan, there is apparently no rhyme or reason to a lot of this. Jackie, you had mentioned just a moment or two ago, you used the term tornado. I think that one of the witnesses saw that. And and having lived through a tornado, I have to say that that, that kind of sums it up because everything is in disarray. Everything is thrown about. There are no patterns to it. And many times as investigators, that's kind of what leaves us scratching our heads. In addition to an iron, we assume and suppose that it was a knife. And then we have the sexual assault. But the last part of this case, Joe, is how Barbara Steele's body was positioned and left. We know that his attorneys during his trial said that they attributed his crimes to mental illness that included methamphetamine use and that Drennan suffered from religious delusions. And we kind of see a little bit of that inference in how Barbara Steele's body was positioned after the crime. Yeah, I can only recall, I was thinking about this when I was reading through her case and a couple of points kind of struck me. And I was thinking, had I ever worked anything that had a religious connotation to it? And yeah, I have. There, there were a couple of cases along the way. Obviously, you're going to have you know, these kind of people that are in spiritual conflict and that sort of thing, and they wind up taking their own lives, and you'll, you know, you'll get these very involved suicide notes and all those sorts of things. And I've had, I think, to the best of my knowledge, I've had one homicide that was a multiple homicide that had heavy religious overtones. But in her case, what was kind of stood out is the fact that when they observed her body, her body had been positioned, and I think that that's very important here to use the term positioned, on her coffee table so that, you know, coffee tables are not very big, you know. You have to think that, you know, her goodly portion of her body, particularly the appendages, the appendicular areas of the body, the arms and legs are hanging off, and the trunk of the body is essentially supported so that the chest is kind of thrown upward. It would seem as though that the coffee table had been used almost as if it were an altar, you know, with kind of the hyperextended chest and the abdomen. Remember, we talked about the the trauma she had sustained. 
I hate the word why, and you've heard me say that before, because it, it, why is so highly subjective, <laughs> particularly in a case like this, because you'll you'll never you'll drive yourself to madness if you try to understand why or try to figure out why. It's much safer, at least I think intellectually, to stay with you know what happened, and maybe if we can explain that. But sometimes things are just beyond the pale, if you will. In this case, with this kind of hyperextended posture that she's in, it, it was important to note, and I found this kind of fascinating, that a clock had been taken off of the, I guess it was the adjacent mantelpiece there in her home and placed upon her chest. There was no indication, at least per the police reports, that she had been beaten with the clock. The clock was essentially placed on her chest. Why would you do that? You know, again, there's the why question. I, I don't know that there is. You can never answer that. But I do know that another item that they found immediately adjacent to her body was a bowl from within her house and contained within that bowl was it's been described in a couple of locations as either a cross or a crucifix, you know. But again, you've kind of got this heavy religious overtone here. I find it kind of fascinating when people go down this road of mental illness, you know, with people where they say, well, they were affected by drugs or they've got this kind of hyper religiosity thing going on where they're delusional and all that. When you look at that, you think, well, why didn't he go to the home if he's so, you know, out of his mind? Why didn't he go to the home of, say, a 250 pound auto mechanic and walk into their house and do this to them? That gives you an indication that maybe he had targeted her for whatever reason, as disordered as that environment was. He picked somebody that was weaker than him. It was a completely asymmetrical attack. He didn't pick anybody. Twice. He did it twice. Yeah, he did. And and that was the other thing. You know, the woman in the parking lot, what did we say about her? He, he snuck up from the rear with her. It's not like he approached her from the front and was menacing her, where she could have given her an opportunity to drive away. No, he, he snuck up from the rear and then when he crashed that vehicle what did he do he came face to face with a guy that was prepared to kill him and what did he do he ran away so he has some inkling of self-preservation if you will he's picking out people that are weaker than him where he can dominate over them and in miss Steele's case i mean you know God bless her family. I, I can't even begin to imagine the depths of sorrow that's associated with it 28-year-old Joshua Drennan was convicted of killing Barbara Steele, 77 years old, and injuring a police officer. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and an additional 92 years on the other charges for the other crimes, including attempted murder, robbery, malicious wounding, assault, stealing a car, and larceny. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.